Uh, we may have to have the uh, conference in Little Hawking so that you guys know where it's at. Uh, <laughs> little town, southeast Ohio, uh, just across the border of West Virginia. We are not in West Virginia. I just want to let you know that. We are not in West Virginia. Uh, we are in Ohio. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, well, let's pray this morning. It's good to be together and good to look into the word tonight, today. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just give you thanks and praise for the opportunity we have, Lord, this morning to just, just spend some time together in your presence. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that as we <clears throat> look into your word today, that you would speak to us and challenge us, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive your word today. For, Lord, your word brings life whenever it is spoken. And I ask of God today that, that, Lord, that you would speak to us and challenge us and, Lord, just empower us, that we would leave this place, not only just this morning, but I'm talking about the whole conference, that we would leave this place on Saturday morning, afternoon, Lord, empowered and challenged and ready to go, Lord, when we leave here. And I just give you thanks. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege you've given me, Lord, to share what you put on my heart to share this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just... Just speak to us, I pray, in the name of Jesus this morning, and amen. Last night as we were sitting here <clears throat> in the service, and I was looking over the crowd, and oh, I was sitting in the back, looking at your back, the backs of your heads, um, <clears throat> and I was thinking, you know, why, Lord, did you pick me to speak this morning? Because as I look across the faces of the people who were here last night, and I look across the, the audience this morning, um, I have... Some of my college professors sitting here. I have, uh, I have uh, two pastors that I worked under. Uh, I have my homiletics teacher just walking through the door. Um, <clears throat> it's like, ah! but anyway, the Lord gives the strength and the ability to do it. Uh, so uh, this morning, I am not, uh, I'm not being graded on uh, what I'm saying, um, critiqued or anything else. So. Uh, whether I'm homiletically correct or not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to share with you what the Lord laid on my heart to share. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, if you would turn with me this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 13. There's, uh, <clears throat> we've been going through some real, uh, real uh, rough waves down at Little Hawking here. Been there for uh, three years. I t- I didn't, just to give you a little background, I took over my home church. Um, and after uh, 40 years of uh, the church being there, uh, in the last several years, it kind of went downhill quick. And uh, we've been there for three years trying to revive a work that uh, uh, was strong in the community. And, and that work is, uh, uh, is coming around. It's taking a lot of, a lot of battles and a lot of prayer and uh, a lot of determination. Uh, but things are turning around and... and uh, last year, the Lord laid on my heart and said, this is a year of breakthrough. Uh, and this year, in January, uh, we said, this is the year we're going to advance forward. The breakthrough's there, and by faith, we claim it, and we stand on that word that there is breakthrough. And we're going to advance forward regardless of what happens, or what, yeah, what we face, regardless of what's going on, we're going to advance forward. Amen. Quitting is not in our uh, vocabulary. Closing the doors is not in our vocabulary. You know, that is not even a thought, because now uh, we're going to move on. We're going to move on in the plan of God. And um, 
as the year began to, to, to start, uh, the Lord just kept laying on my heart, uh, you know, don't rely on the past, on past victories, on uh, things that happened before. Grab a hold of what he's got for you today and move on with what he's got for you today. And all year, it's, it's been a progression throughout the year that, that uh, the Lord's just given me things out of his word that, says, that, that he's telling us, you know, you've you got to get a hold of what God wants you to do, what I want you to do now and run with it. Because the past is the past and it's over. The good stuff, they're victories, they're mile markers that you can look back to, memorial stones that you can refer back to, but we got to move on. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, just a little background, the Israelites have, have come out of the time of the judges, they're kind of in transition between uh, the time of the judges and the first king Saul, Samuel has led the, uh, led the Israelites and, and, and things began to change, things began to turn around for them because Samuel, the man of God, was leading them. They had, uh, they had witnessed some victories over the Philistines. And, and uh, then they cried out for a new king, or for a king. And Saul was anointed king, and things just began to fall apart since Saul had become king. And I went from, at the, in chapter 12, to being, you know, uh, excited and, and victorious. And here we're, you know, we're, we're, we're moving on here and things are going good here. The Philistines have been pushed back to the end of 1 Samuel when it says at the end that there was no sword found amongst the Israelites. And in chapter 13, we find the reason for that was because Saul had disobeyed God and things began to change and things began to, to uh, or Saul's leadership began to uh, fall apart. And when we get down to verse 16, some disturbing things have been said here. It says, Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Ophrah, Orf- to the land of, the, of Shuel, to another, uh, another company turned to the road to Beth Horon, and another company turned to the road of the border that lo- overlooks the valley of Zeboam toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, and his sickle, and the charge for sharpening was a pen for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the guides. So it came to pass on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Things had changed, and the Philistines had the upper hand. But it didn't happen overnight. It was something that happened gradually. It was something that, that, like I said, under Samuel, things were going good. Things were progressing. Things were changing for the better. But then Saul became king and things began to change again, going back to what it was. But it didn't happen overnight. It happened a little at a time. Because they allowed, the Israelites allowed the Philistines to take them a little bit at a time. And a little bit at a time is worse than taking it all at once because you don't catch it. Because 
The enemy comes in and just steals this, steals that. And eventually you discover you've lost a lot of ground. And that's what happened to the Israelites. They had been harassed by the Philistines. The Philistines kept coming and coming and coming. What does Jesus say about the enemy that we face? In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes for one reason. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and that more abundantly. The enemy that we face is real. We all know that. Every one of us sitting here, we all know that the enemy that we face is real. And the enemy doesn't come in, you know, all at once to just destroy everything uh, that's going on, destroy your church, your ministry, destroy your life, your family, your finances. He doesn't do that all at once. He does it a little bit at a time. He comes in a little and tries to steal this. He harasses you in this area. He, he causes this battle over here and this fight over here. And <clears throat> we as human beings, we have a tendency to, to like the past. We, we like, you know, well, God, you know, God did this yesterday. And we start relying on yesterday instead of being sharp for today. And it's important as leaders, as uh, pastors or, or ministry leaders, whatever capacity you're in, to stay sharp for today. Because if we're not sharp for today, we get dull in, in our ministry. We get dull in the work that God's called us to do. And we've got to stay sharp. We've got to stay on the edge and, and prepared and ready for any battle that would come our way, anything. Because the enemy is out to destroy and he's going to do it a little bit at a time. He's going to take a little bit here and a little bit there. And if we're not careful, we don't have the guard up and we're not sharp for today, that he's going to take that little bit. He's going to take this little bit over here. If we become dependent on what God did yesterday or what God did a few years ago, or what God did several years ago, then we're going to forget that God wants to do something today. Where we're at right now, that's where we're, that's where we're at uh, where, in Little Hawking, is the church became dependent upon yesterday. And yesterday was, is gone. And because it became dependent on yesterday, just gradually, a little at a time, things were lost and things were stolen by the enemy. And now Christian and I are there and we're trying to get it back. You know, we're, we're fighting to get it back. We're fighting to, to get that church back on track. But the Lord all year is saying, stay sharp. You got to stay sharp. You got to stay here today. Forget yesterday. Forget you know, don't stay looking at and depending upon the victories of yesterday. And don't get caught up in the negative stuff of yesterday. But stay sharp for today. Leave yesterday there and start over today. The Israelites were in, this, in the place where they're at because of things they allowed to happen. The Israelites didn't have to allow the Philistines to come in and steal the swords from them. They didn't have to allow the Philistines to take all the blacksmiths away and, and keep them you know, stuck and have to go to the Philistines to have even their farm tools sharpened. They didn't have to be in that position, but they allowed it. They allowed themselves to be there. And this morning, I just want to challenge you and encourage you today to stay sharp and not allow the same thing to happen to you in your ministry as the Israelites allowed to happen to them.
I see four things that the Israelites allowed uh, the Philistines to do to put them in the place they were at. First of all, it says in, in verse 17, it says, Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies and said what, what areas they came. Raiders came out of the Philistine camp. They were coming out and they were going to different areas in the Israelite land and they were stealing things. They were taking things. They were stealing away what God had given them. So the first thing I say, see is that the Israelites allowed the Philistines to plunder the land, to plunder the blessings of God, to steal from them what God had done for them and what God had blessed them with. And if we're going to stay on the cutting edge, we've got to stop allowing the Philistine, our enemy, the, the, the enemy of our soul, to come and steal away what God has blessed us with. As the blessings of God are ours. It's a part of our inheritance. Read the word and you'll find, and all of us have. We have an inheritance that we can enjoy today, but the enemy doesn't want us to have it, and he wants to destroy it. He wants to destroy your ministry. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your finances. And if he can get you, he can get those who work under you. Because if he can get you, if you're a pastor, he can get your church. If he can get you and you're a missionary, he can get the missions work that you're doing. If he can get you and your, whatever ministry you're in, if he can get you, then he's got your ministry. And he, he wants to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy everything that God has given, everything that God has done, everything that God is doing. But we've got to stand our ground We've got to take that stand against the enemy and remember what Ephesians 6 says, that we've got to put on the whole armor of God and take a stand because the battle that we fight is not a battle of flesh and blood. It is a battle of the spiritual realm. And if we're not fighting the spiritual battle that's before us, we're going to lose. The Israelites stopped fighting. The Israelites just allowed the Philistines to come in and do what they wanted to do. They lost their crops they lost their blacksmiths, they lost their swords, they lost everything that kept them moving and alive. And now they were totally dependent upon the Philistines for everything they needed because the Philistines were taking it and they had allowed it to happen. But again, it didn't happen overnight. It happened gradually, a little bit at a time. The second thing I see in this passage we read in verse 19, it says, <clears throat> There was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. They removed the blacksmiths. They allowed the Philistines to keep them in bondage. Without the black, in those days, without a blacksmith, you didn't make anything. They were dependent upon, uh, the Israelites were dependent upon bronze at that time. The Philistines had weapons of iron. The Israelites were coming out of that era and experimenting with iron, and then the Philistines came in and stole all the blacksmiths away. There was not allowed one blacksmith. So they allowed the Philistines to take away the very ones who would progress or who would move them forward in their society, move them forward and advance them. And so they were keeping them in bondage. They had to depend upon the Philistines. 
They had to depend upon their enemies for what they needed. I read in the scripture that he set us free. Amen? That we are free in Christ. And the scripture even tells us, don't go back into that same bondage that you were in before, but stay free. Don't go into that bondage. Don't become dependent upon the world. Don't become dependent upon the things of the world. Now, we're all ministers here. We've all lived, uh, served God for a long time. And we know, you know that we can't become dependent upon the world. We can't become dependent upon the things of the world. We have to separate ourselves from the world. But a little at a time, the enemy can convince us that, you know, you can, you can trust in your own self. You know, you got your intelligence. You can do this yourself. You can come up with your own plan. You can come up with your own way to do this. Scripture says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on into your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If we aren't trusting in him, we're trusting in someone or something else. If we're not depending upon him for every decision we make, for every uh, step we take in our ministry and in our, in our own personal lives, then we're depending upon someone or something else. We're trusting in something else. And if we're trusting in someone or something else, we're putting ourselves in bondage. But if we're trusting in him, Jesus said, come to me and you're going to find peace. You're going to find freedom. You're going to find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when we come to him, we cast our care upon him. Amen? When we cast our care upon him, he takes those burdens and those cares and he replaces those things with his peace and his joy. And, and when, when ministry seems to weigh, weigh us down and, and, and we, we seem to be struggling, then that's when we cast it on him and, and he replaces that with joy. He carries the burden for us. And instead of us having to trust in ourselves, we trust in him and he gives us that, that, uh, that direction that we need. He leads us along and we won't find ourselves in bondage because he is the blacksmith that's going to sharpen our tools, that's going to keep us on the cutting edge. He is the blacksmith that we need. And when we go to him, he gives us that direction that we need. We've got to keep advancing forward. See, they were, the Israelites were on the brink of something new. History, human history was changing at this time because they were moving out of that Bronze Age into the Iron Age, and, and the Israelites were just right on that cutting edge to move. To change. But they allowed the Philistines to steal away the very ones who would advance them to the next level. Oh, we got to make sure the enemy doesn't keep us back and hold us back, but to trust in the Lord and let him help us to take that next step with him. Then number three, it says not only did it take the blacksmiths away, and it says in verse 20, all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, and his axe, and his sickle. So there was no blacksmith, so they had no way of sharpening even their farm tools. They allowed the Philistines to hold and, to hold and to possess the sharpening tools that they need. The enemy so very much wants to control you in your ministry he wants you to become dependent on him with his ideas and his plans because if you follow his plans and ideas, then you're not going to go anywhere. 
Of course, we know that. But if we are dependent upon God and we allow God to sharpen us, we're going to go far. We allow God to sharpen us, to sharpen us the edge of that ministry that God has called us to, then we're going to go far with him. We're going to see that call of God accomplished in our lives. But it costs them a lot. You get down to verse 21, it tells us how much they charge them to sharpen their tools. And what they charged them was quite a bit. It not only cost them the fact that they didn't have any way of sharpening their own tools, but now they had to pay somebody else to sharpen. So not only were they having things stolen from them, not only were they missing the blacksmiths, but now they were paying their enemies to keep them sharp. And it wasn't working because they still kept going downhill. They had to turn to the Philistines for help. They had to turn to the Philistines to meet their needs. Because of the constant plundering, the the Israelites became dependent upon the Philistines for their daily needs. That's where the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to be dependent upon him. He wants you to be so caught up in your schedule, in things that are going on that you stop praying how do we sharpen the tools that we have we got to spend time with him and the enemy wants to keep you so caught up in your daily life in your ministry that if he can keep you busy that you forget to pray or you get out of the habit of praying or get out of the habit of doing what you know you're supposed to do, you're going to get, your edge is going to get dulled and you're going to become ineffective. And you're going to be going to him, to the enemy, to get sharpened. We need to stay sharpened spending time with the Lord. Amen? Praying. Seeking him. Because that's where we get sharpened. As I said, he's our blacksmith. He's the, he's the one that's got the sharpening tools. We go to him to be sharpened. We go to him to have the edge sharpened so that we, be, our, we stay effective. Because if we don't stay in him, we're not going to be effective in the work that God's called us to do. We'll come to a standstill. But you're not going to stay at that standstill very long. You're going to eventually start going backwards. And that's what was going on with the Israelites. They were actually moving backwards. Instead of advancing, instead of staying where they were, they were moving backwards. And that's what happens when we don't allow God to sharpen us. We don't go to him to sharpen the edge. We become dull and ineffective. And we've got to instead of allowing the enemy to hold the sharpening tools, go to the Lord and allow him to sharpen us for the ministry he's called us to. Then lastly, verse 22 says, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but there was a sword found with Saul and Jonathan. There was no sword. They had gone so far to where the sword was even missing. There was no sword in the land. Now how can an army go up against, how can an army 
of Israelites with no swords or spears go up against an enemy, the Philistines, who had iron swords, shields, and iron-tipped spears and expect to win. Bad enough, the Israelites had bronze weapons. But they didn't have any now because the enemy had stolen it all away. If we look at Ephesians chapter 6, and you look at the armor of God and the different parts of the armor, and you, you know, I'm just repeating something you already know, every piece of that armor is defensive except for one. The helmet of salvation protects your mind. The breastplate of righteousness protects your heart, your soul. The belt of truth protects your innermost being, your inner man. The shoes of the gospel of peace protect your shins and gives you, you know, that, uh, that energy to run with. You got the shield of faith warding off the darts of the wicked one. But then we come to the sword. The sword is the offensive weapon that we have. The only offensive weapon we've got is the sword. And what does the scripture, what does Paul say the sword is? But it's the word of God. The enemy doesn't want you to have the word of God. He doesn't want you to get it in your soul because if he gets in your heart, then he knows that he's defeated because if you've got the sword, he has no defense against it. We look, every time that <clears throat> the enemy tempts someone in the, in the scriptures, going all the way back to Genesis, what does the enemy use? He uses the, the word of God. But when he uses it, he twists it. And when he twists it, it sounds right. It sounds good. Eve was deceived because it sounded right. And just a side note, Adam was standing there right with her when, when she was deceived, and he was the one that got the message in the first place. When, G, when Jesus was tempted by the enemy, what did the enemy use? He used the word. But when he used the word, he twisted it. It sounded right. It sounded good. But in contrast between Adam and Eve and Jesus, what was the difference? Jesus had the word in him. And when he spoke the word, the enemy fled. The enemy was defeated. It says that each time, each of those three temptations that's recorded, it says that as soon as Jesus spoke the word, the enemy was gone. The enemy cannot stand against the word of God when it's spoken in truth and when it's spoken the way it's written. But if he can keep the word out of you, if he can keep it out of your heart, if he can keep it out of your mouth, if he can keep it out of your mind, then he can keep you in defeat. He wants to steal the word, and that's what he did to the Israelites. He stole the sword, the only offensive weapon they had, the sword and the spear, and they had no defense against the Philistines. They had no way of even going up against them. If they had the opportunity, they couldn't fight. All they had were the sickles and the axes that they had brought up to have sharpened by the Philistines. Church, I'm used to saying church, uh, fellow ministers, Brothers and sisters in Christ, we must keep the word in our heart. 
If we don't, we'll be defeated just like the Israelites were. We've got to stay sharp. We've got to stay on the cutting edge. We've got to stay right there on the edge so that the enemy cannot steal from us and we cannot allow him to steal the blessings and the, and the goodness and the faithfulness of God from us and steal the things that God is doing. We can't allow him to come in and keep us in bondage that we have to trust in things. But we need to trust in the Lord. We need to be sure that we don't allow him to convince us that we are dependent upon the world or worldly things are dependent upon other things other than God to keep us moving on. And we've got to make sure that he doesn't steal the word from our heart, steal the word from us so that we can keep fighting, so we can keep doing what God has called us to do. And remember Ephesians chapter 6. We all know it. We've all read it. We've all preached it. We've all studied it. We've all taught Bible studies on it, I'm sure. But three things to remember. Number one, Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11, the power of God is greater than the power of Satan. Always remember that. The power of God is greater than the power of Satan. He has no power over you if you're staying in him and if you're staying in the word and you're allowing him to work through you. Secondly, Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, never underestimate the power of the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Well, we wrestle against the spiritual forces of this world. Don't underestimate the power of the enemy. If you let down your guard, he's going to come in and he's going to start snatching things away. Don't let down your guard. That's one thing I have learned in the last three years, especially not to let down my guard because he comes in when you're unexpected. He comes in through back doors He doesn't come through the obvious ways. Don't underestimate the power of the enemy. He is defeated, yes. And we are victorious, but remember, you always have to add to that, we are victorious in Christ. Amen? And thirdly, remember Ephesians 6.13, always be ready for battle. Always be ready. Be on that cutting edge and don't get caught off guard. Don't allow the enemy to come in and steal anything. It's up to you. Jesus has done everything that is needed for us to live victorious and be, and be successful in the ministry he's called us to. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called us to it. If we couldn't be successful where we're at, he would not have put us there. And if he's put you there, he's going to make you successful. But you've got to stay on the cutting edge. You've got to stay fresh with him and allow him to do what needs to be done in you, through you, so that you can impact the lives of the people that you're speaking to, that you're ministering to, and that you're touching every day. Stay on the cutting edge. Keep the word in your life. Speak the word. This was Pastor Ken was speaking last night. Get the word. Speak it. And when you speak it, you live it and make it your life. Amen. I just want to challenge you that with that this morning.
encourage you, stay on the cutting edge. Don't let the enemy in. Don't let the enemy steal anything. It's up to you. You can allow him to do it, or you can keep him out. It's up to you. Pastor Joe. Lord Jesus, this morning I just pray for everyone here in this room. Lord, as I stand, Lord, reverently in this place, Lord, before you, this awesome church that's opened their doors to us, Lord, you have done so many great things in this place. And Lord, this morning, you're just going to continue to do those great things, Lord, in the hearts and lives of of those who are here. We're here, Lord, for one purpose, and that is to be energized and encouraged and challenged for the work that you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning for each and every one of us today that, Lord, we would be, Lord, found on the cutting edge, that, Lord, we would be sharpened, and, Lord, that we would be ready for the work you've called us to do. When we go back to our homes, Lord, that we'll, we'll go prepared and ready for battle. Lord, the bright battle, the battle against the enemy who wants to destroy the work that you have created and destroy your people, destroy your kingdom. Lord, we're going to stand up and we're going to take that stand and, Lord, be ready for that battle. And I pray that for everyone here today, that your hand be on us and direct us and remind us how important it is to be found in you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.